Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, we're telling you what matters most from every game of the Sunday slate in week 10 of the NFL. We're going beyond just the box scores, beyond the results themselves, and telling you what matters the most in both the short term and the long term for these teams, the players, the coaches, and the organizations as a whole. I am Trevor Sikama. With me, as always, is Connor Rogers. Let's ring the bell. Bell, the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I'm Trevor Sikama. That is Connor Rogers. Join you guys after week 10 in the NFL. Well, minus two games. We are, as we always are, on Sunday nights. So we're right in the middle of this Sunday night football game between the Niners and the Chargers. But we are here to tell you what matters most from all the games, all the action that we saw on Sunday. And I don't just say Sunday afternoon because... We had a game in Munich that we're going to get to, that we are going to discuss. An international football bout, if you will. But, Connor... The Jets were off this week. Did you, were you just were you just on a beach kicking your feet up? You know, sunglasses on, pina colada in hand. What were you doing today, my man? That would have been the smart play, but me, not an intelligent human, did not do that at all. Um, I was at Yankee Stadium on Saturday for the Cortica rivalry game here in New York with Ithaca and Corlin, a little D3 football. Oh, um, nice. Because my, my girlfriend's an Ithaca alum. I have a ton of friends that are alums of really more Cortland. So did that. Uh gonna be honest with you, Trev. Drank the most beer in one day that I have in an extremely, extremely long time. And I woke up Sunday feeling amazing, ready to go. Whoa. Cup cup of coffee, football on. I mean, what's better than this? I've had no hangover. I was Life's good, man. Hold on, I mean, you I just had a Jets, you just but... you just you just had a birthday. You're supposed like hangovers are supposed to get oh, worse I when you get older. I work. Yeah, you're right. I didn't do anything really crazy for my birthday, so I guess I made up for it here. And and I am like not a like I don't get hungover. Like I get painfully, really badly hungover. <laughs> like I really know my limit these days. But um, but yeah, I guess it was a little little late gift here, and it, it right. was it was interesting to wake up and watch football in my house. Like I have not done that this year at all. Right. So. It was fun, man. But I want to ask you, yes. did you enjoy, and probably more as a one-off rather than it being consistent, did you enjoy having the Bucks on? Uh, basically, the coverage was probably as soon as you woke up. There was pregame coverage going on. Did you like it, or was it kind of gimmicky to you? I like it. I mean, I really I did. did. Like, honestly, it was, you know, anybody who's ever, their favorite team has ever played one of the London or just overseas games before. They all start at 930, and... For the Bucks, it was almost like I, I kind of like got it out of the way, but it's also a cool way to start the day. Like yep, got up, made, made breakfast, took the dog out for a walk, and then it's just like, you know, boom, 930 right there. Like the, like the team that I know a lot about and probably care about the most is on. And it was just – it's fun when the team that you follow the closest – has a nationally televised game, whether it's Sunday night football, an overseas game, Thursday night football, or Monday night football, because all of your friends are talking about the same game. Yeah, you know, like yep. e like every week, you're going to watch the Jets no matter what. And yeah, you have a lot of followers and friends that are going to watch the Jets, but not everybody in the world is watching the Jets unless yep. they're a primetime prime time game. So it is Which fun. Which they never it's, are. It's so. fun. Hey, we're getting there. We're getting there. We have faith. But it's Jags, fun. Jets, Christmas week, folks. Thursday night football. Lock it in. Uh, it's fun. I, I enjoy it. I enjoy getting to yeah. watch the team with, with everybody else uh, across the nation. And, and we all kind of get to get off our takes and I get to see 
what people think about the Bucks, honestly, because I don't get to do that every week. So I, I, I like it, man. I really do. I like the early start. I do too. I don't know if I liked it as much when the Jets play a London game, and that's probably more matchup based. But one time I think about it was, and I thought the the presentation of the game in Germany was incredible. Like the fans Dude. out there could not have been better the way they they brought it and turned up for that game, and it felt special. Um, obviously with the American anthem with the flag and then the German anthem with their flag. And it was just a lot going on that made it really unique. The one I draw back to was I remember many years ago, the jets ended up playing the giants in overtime, but I was out in California. Mm-hmm. So you, like you, you wake up, you can go out and have breakfast or a cup of coffee and you watch your football. And then if you don't have anything to do the rest of the day for work or your team, like I just went and played volleyball on the beach. Like, it was like, it's amazing. Like it's two o'clock and like my team already played and won. And now I can just go do what I want. Like obviously those days would be over, but it, it's a very unique experience. And I, I do think there is something to it that is very enjoyable. You West coast people, you're on to something. You're on to something here. They've with been pretty good to football, you know? Yeah. yeah. You know? Oh, they got all sports with them. Right. Like they can watch their, right. most of their hockey, most of their hockey or basketball at decent hour. I mean, you and I are are getting old and washed. It'd be nice to go to bed. You know where this you know where this shows up the most? I'm gonna be honest, and this just popped into my head. The college football playoff for New Year's Eve. Dude, spot it's, on. It sucks because they put yep. the college football playoff games, one of them comes on at what, four, and then the other one comes on at eight, eight thirty. Might even and, be like six or something. You're right, though. It's it's you know what I'm saying. Like it, yeah, one right. of those college fall playoff games is getting done, and it feels like eleven, eleven thirty at night, and then it's like, oh, I only have thirty minutes until the ball drops, and it's midnight, and basically like your New Year's Eve night is kind of I don't want to say ruined, but yeah. if you were on the West Coast instead, that game is getting over at eight thirty, nine o'clock at the yeah. latest, and then you actually get to enjoy new year's eve so i i just thought of that as you as i you agree said that. so um, let me ask you yes yes can we'll i hold start. on hold on okay. can you right before right before you ask me a question i do want to say huge shout out to uh the german football fans who you brought it up how crazy of an atmosphere yes, yes, that yes, was yes. and you told me this weekend actually when you were looking at a lot of the data for the people who listen to this podcast that we have a ton of people who listen to the NFL stock exchange from over in Germany, all different parts of Germany yep. and holy cow, if if you are over there listening to this podcast, thank you so much. That's crazy us when Connor told me that I was like, that's wild. It's so crazy that people halfway across the world would listen to our podcast talk about football and um, not just the people who listen in Germany, but also the people who listen everywhere. That's why we want you guys to feel as much of, of a part of the show as you can be and why we do those speak pipes and those voicemails and everything. But I just wanted to make sure that I, I yeah, said that before you, I forgot. I'm glad you did. It we it, it doesn't go unnoticed. Um, to put it in perspective, I, I don't know why, but we greatly appreciate it. We are much more popular in Germany by like ranking than many places we we last week were the 26th ranked football podcast in germany where obviously you know if you go into american charts or even great britain and stuff like that we're we're not as popular during draft season i know if you build it they will come but i don't know what at germany we are just so much more popular there and that i think that's awesome i think yeah. it's really cool because i know they have a significant fan base for american football and i'm just very thankful that we get to be 
a small part of your coverage. So thank you. And with that, we'll easily transition to the game that your country just hosted. Trevor, I have to ask you, mm-hmm. uh, massive win for the Bucks. No way around it. Massive. Against a, a very good Seattle team. Yes. And a game where a lot of things uh, went right for the – this wasn't a game that the Bucks like, stole or anything. I never felt that way. The Bucks were in control of a lot of this game. Mm-hmm. Not only what matters most to you, but just give me the lowdown of what could be – you know, you don't want to ever overuse the. This is the turning point of the season. But if the Bucks are going to use something as a launch pad, this international game, Tom Brady four known international games now, uh, could be that. So I, I really wanted to hear from you on this one. To kick off the show. Yeah. So, like, first of all, I mean, I didn't think Seattle played their best game, and I don't yeah. know. I don't know why that was the case. I know it's really difficult when you play these games overseas, especially for a team that is on the West Coast. Right? You're body is already adjusting to a lot of different time zones as Seattle is kind of changing and going through different weeks of the season and making a massive change like that, man, it, it doesn't matter how many days early you Well, I mean, it does matter, but you know what I'm saying? It, it, it's hard to adjust to that time zone, no matter what, whether you get there on a Tuesday or a Thursday or whenever it is like, it's just going to be hard to acclimate yourself to that kind of lifestyle, that kind of a sleep schedule for your body to adequately be focused, awake, uh, attentive, uh, get the sleep recovery that you need. And I have no idea how much of that went into Seattle, but the first half, really the first like three quarters of that game, Seattle just was not themselves. You yep. saw towards the end of the game, they were able to charge back and Gino had some monster throws and they were finally getting the passing game working and clicking with Lockett and and, uh, and Metcalf. The running game never got working for them. But again, I just, I wonder if that's the travel part of it because Seattle has played so well and so consistent so, so many times this season and everybody has games where, okay, it's not the best that they play. But I will say it's it was a big win for the Bucks, but they did not get the best of the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, if this game was played in Seattle, Tampa loses this game. I'm pretty mm. convinced because Seattle comes out a lot hotter. They come out a lot more focused. And beyond just the neutral site or even away thing, the fact that they were so far away in another country halfway across the world, I do wonder if that went into it. Now, when you look at the Bucks, I think it pe- people looked at their – situation as a team last week and they're like oh you know maybe that last second win was a big catalyst for uh, like kind of the word that you use launching point for them to become this team that we thought they were going to be here's the thing folks if the bucks are going to become that team that you think they're going to be that we all thought they could have been in the preseason it's not going to happen anytime soon it might happen in december after they stack good performances up on top of each other this Though the defense is clearly playing better for Tampa, and I mean, you could just see that in the numbers that they limited with Kenneth Walker, 10 carries, 17 yards, 1.7 yards per Nothing carry. I mean, they bottled that dude up. I mean, the receiving game, again, Geno Smith, it felt like they, they were not clicking basically until the third and fourth quarters of this game. That is a shout-out to the Bucks defense and how well that they have played over the last two weeks. But when you look at things on offense – Yeah, Rashad White was a big takeaway from this game. And if we're going to have a what matters most, it's the fact that Tampa's run game might be able to be saved this year if they continually go to Rashad White. He is their best running back on the team. Um, Leonard Fournette does not give them the same amount of juice. He does not give them the same amount of effort. He does not give them the same amount of production. That's just plain and simple. 
So the what matters most on Tampa's side of things is if they are going to continue to have this desire to run the ball as much as they want to, it's important that they now have a running back who at least gives them some productive carries, some productive touches, because before they just were not getting that with Fournette. So Tom Brady was once again great. I think Chris Godwin's coming back to himself uh, a lot more and more each week. Mike Evans was still steady, but he didn't have a major breakout game. Kate Otten is becoming a big-time wide receiver or tight end, I should say, weapon for them in the receiving game. But really what matters most is if Tampa is going to be this team that ends up winning the NFC South that we're talking about in the playoffs and the offense is looking a little bit better. Um, A key from this game that's going to be a takeaway is the fact that the rookie from Arizona State, Rashad White, has emerged and become the guy who's going to get RB1 carries for them. It's a great point. It's something that it feels like maybe it's almost been, God, 22 carries for White in this game. I mean, we just... He it took a long time for him to not only get on the field, but get legitimate usage where you're wondering where this would flip. And we know Fournette's a guy that kind of deals with little things week in and week out. And sometimes they can catch up to you. And, and honestly, do you see, lot, do you see, he almost didn't have his passport. He almost didn't make it to the game. It was like this? by like two or three hours, right? four hours, four hours before they got on the bus to go to the airport is when he got his passport. Okay. How does that happen? And I'm know, not dude. saying I like, know. I know people, screw these things up right and a lot of people honestly I, I don't want to assume people out everybody there out there understands international travel right like it's not i'm that's not an assumption even if leonard Fournette didn't know that how does the bucks organization like when you look a little like peel back of the curtain when these organizations have these trips it's a really big deal for the organization like the administration because mm-hmm. they're I've talked, and I know this, a lot of this is public already, but I've talked to teams out there that travel with their own toilet paper, that like the amount of time put into these trips for months, for like six months preparing mm-hmm. for them. Mm-hmm. How did that sneak through? That Leonard know. Fournette doesn't have an updated passport? I don't know. And they probably had to pay a lot of money to expedite, expedite that bad it. boy within 48 hours or whatever oh. it ended up being. I mean, they're a good thing they're the the former Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Right. Like, you were, if that was you or me, Trevor, our we ass would be, be sitting in America watching that shit on TV like right. we were. Right. So, right. right. Yeah. I just thought it, I just thought that that was funny. That was very funny, very crazy, and uh, glad ultimately that he, glad that he actually made it though. What do you, What did you yeah, think of this game as you were he watching? He made it. He got morning. to throw an interception on a ridiculous, the oh, most ridiculous Christ. play call I've ever seen in my life. Dude, this is the dumbest. Like carving they did, Seattle's defense. They up. did carving. They did. So many good things that game, yep. I felt like. That and drive. That drive. That drive specifically. Brady was carving them up, okay? And the worst part about it is, and I tweeted about this, the worst part about it is, Connor, what's, why, do you, why do you run a trick play, okay? You run a trick play because you are giving the defense a look that they've never seen before. And in hopes of doing that, you hope that when you break the huddle and that when you're lined up, the defense goes, wait a second, that guy's there, this guy's here, this look doesn't look right. Uh, And then all of a sudden they're scrambling because they're trying to communicate between the time that you break the huddle and the snap of the football. That's what you want to accomplish with trick plays. They ran that trick play. And then five plays later, they try to do it again and throw to the most disadvantageous spot of the field with Lenny throwing a a pass to Tom Brady with Tariq Woolen next to him. I just... Dude. It's it's pretty remarkable. I mean, they obviously 
thought since they didn't cover Brady the first time, they're like, oh, they're just never going to cover Brady. But why would you think that? But why? that's like a bold assumption. It's a really bold. And not to mention, I mean, Brady, we've seen before, is not like a lot of these young athletic quarterbacks that's going to be a threat as a receiver sure. at all. Of course. Like it, Brady's only chance at catching the ball if it's, it's, if it's like fielding a punt pass where no one's in the vicinity and he has right. time to just sit there and wait. Right. We almost had contested catch, like, or I don't think anything would have had. Tariq Woolen would have won that, too, if Brady didn't fall. It, it was just a ridiculous situation. What matters most for me from this game is very simple, but it's you have to answer the question, is that the Bucks won. The Bucks are now in a bit of a driver's seat, if they can take it and run with it, mm -hmm. to win this awful division. This division stinks so badly that... Hey, come on. You know what? Good for the Bucks that they could get off to that kind of start and I think honestly be okay in terms of winning their division. Playoffs, they're going to have to play a different brand of football, but they're figuring some things out right now. That's what you never, never underestimate Tom Brady. My honorable mention from this game, because I know everybody loves him, but he deserves even more praise. Tristan Wirfs is one of the best tackles in the NFL. When you just He's, watch yeah, him, no question. when you watch him in games like this, it's, it's truly unbelievable how good he, how fast, he was this good. I know he was like this as a rookie, but now you watch him with a little more seasoning. And the man is just one of the most most polished players in the NFL. So shout out to Tristan Wirfs, a true anchor on that team that has a lot of veteran players. And I'm talking like six to eight year veterans. Wirfs is that guy where you look at and go, he's going to be here for a different era of Bucks football. That's how good he is. Uh, Tampa currently after that game has an 82% chance to win the division title. They have the 28th easiest schedule remaining. So it is definitely still there for them. This is a massive win. There is no doubt about it. You want to talk about what might go down as game of the year, Minnesota versus Holy Buffalo. Crap. I feel like that's got to be the next game that we talk Let's about. Do Let's Minnesota, do it. Minnesota awesome. Vikings, 33 uh, Buffalo bills, 30. This one was in Buffalo it was a final in overtime. So many different things to talk about this game, whether it was Josh, some of Josh Allen's big turnovers or Josh Allen's big runs, Josh Allen's big throws. You had Dalvin Cook going for over 100 yards, a massive 81-yard touchdown. Justin Jefferson, just one of the biggest takeover games you'll ever see from a wide receiver. Kirk Cousins, over 350 yards passing. Stephon Diggs, 16 targets, 12 receptions, a buck 28. And what we thought was going to be the catch of the year until later in the game when Justin Jefferson won up them. Dude, it was just this back-and-forth Titanic battle. And... I think everybody went into this game, and I want to hear your thoughts on it, but I feel like everybody went into this game thinking, all right, are the Vikings actually legit? And I think we walk away with this game thinking they are legit. But what is your one thing that matters most? They are, and they they are definitely funky in a way of Kirk Cousins still is Kirk Cousins. Like, he's not bad and he's not good, but you know his flaws and where they're limited. But Justin Jefferson is so good that sometimes it does not matter. I came away from this game more that more on the bill side, right? Okay. Like the Vikings are good. And I've thought that and I, we shout out Kevin O'Connell on the show a lot for what matters most. I think the Vikings are well balanced. They can run the ball with cook and Madison. They have the best receiver in football that takes over games. He took, he takes over games. Justin Jefferson. He, he single-handedly will make plays that no one else really can make. And Cousins is doing enough, especially when kept clean. And Hawkinson's a really nice addition. And they have edge rushers. Like, they have all these things. That's all great. And they're going to go. They're going to have a really nice season ahead of them. 
the Bills to me while watching this game, the thing that kept coming back to mind is Josh Allen has really thrown away the last two games. The Bills have lost their last two games. They lost to the Jets and they lost to Minnesota. Josh Allen has had egregious turnovers. And I don't say that that Josh Allen's like he's bad or he's cooked or anything, nothing like that. It's just concerning to me that the brand of football Josh Allen is playing right now, can he do this for the next 10 years? Where the turnovers, he's a big play threat, so they balance out and you live with them. Trevor, he takes on contact. In I love his style of play. And as a fan of the game, I love it. And I'm a I'm a Jets guy, and I love watching Josh Allen play. He he doesn't slide. He's playing hurt. He's getting himself. He doesn't slide. He does not slide. <laughs> never, and you know what? Never. Sometimes you don't have to slide. He never slides. Yeah. I just look at this and I go, man. Like, is does somebody need to protect Josh Allen from himself? Because they need Josh Allen to be the face of Buffalo sports for the next decade. And he should be because he's incredible. But man, the beating his body takes might not seem like a big deal last year, might not seem like a big deal this year. Is it going to be a big deal by 2025, 2026? I don't know. But we saw that with Cam Newton over time where it was really scary and what happened with him. And obviously the turnovers are are a minor thing here that I think they won't continue to happen, but they've lost them two games. Right. That's my take. What matters most to me is the Bills – need to find a way, maybe not this year, but in the near future, to protect Josh Allen in some kind of manner. My one thing that matters Both most is, is is more towards the Viking side of things. But just, just to add to what you said there, Josh Allen leads the NFL in turnover-worthy plays this year. And he leads that category by four. He's got 19 turnover-worthy plays. And the next closest is Jared Goff with 15. That is that's pretty significant. That's and they pretty their significant, week, right? Um, yeah. The they had their Bills bye week. had their double check, double check that. But yeah. I, I think they did have their bye week. Just to show, like, that means he's had a lot of turnover worthy plays. If you right. count that, do they have their bye week? The Bills had their bye week uh, the week before Halloween. So they have had their bye week, and Josh Allen is still by far the most far in turnover worthy plays. That is bad. And you said like the last two weeks, the last two weeks, Josh Allen has now I'm, I'm very, I, I don't want to use the word regression because regression means that like, he's no longer the quarterback that we thought. And I don't really mean that, but he, his play has regressed over these last two games where you look at last week and you go, okay, well, that was a little dangerous, but you know, he'll figure it out. This one, again, they were in a situation where he throws two turnovers, and they're costly, man. The first turnover, he was just trying to give his guy a chance. I believe it was fourth down right close to the red zone, so he was just he was throwing it up there anyways. He had to try to make something happen. It was interception. I get that one. One at the end of the game, I don't know what the hell he was looking at. I don't know if it was an option route with a receiver because I know that there is a lot of built-in chemistry with the receivers, so they kind of trust each other in that regard. When there's miscommunication and that's the case, it can look really, really ugly, but that pick was ugly. That was a really ugly pick. It, it, it felt like something that he did not have to do. And that's ultimately when I've watched Josh Allen over the last couple of weeks, it feels like he's making mistakes that he does not have to make. Yep. And I agree. He's got a, he's got a, a bit of a superhero complex right now where he kind of thinks he's invincible. And I don't think that he's doing that in an arrogant way. No. I think he, I think he's doing it in a way where he just has that much confidence in himself and in his team. And we saw last year 
what that looks like when it looks good. Even shoot, we even saw that earlier this year, what it looks like when that looks good and you hit on those things. You make people think this is the Super Bowl champion, but when it doesn't look great, when you eventually throw those turnovers, all of a sudden there are a lot of questions that definitely come your way. So um, I'm with you. It's just something to monitor right now, right? Because Miami now leads that division, not the Bills. Bills are currently, I think, sitting in the sixth playoff spot because of the tie for records that they have with the rest of teams. So for as much as I don't think anybody's giving up on the Buffalo Bills at all as a potential Super Bowl champion, road gets a lot tougher when you're the sixth seed, right? Road gets well, a lot tougher. It means, it means that you're on the road every single game. So They also lost to the Jets and the Dolphins. So they're so, six right, and th- right. So now you have to you have to go beat the Jets and the Dolphins. Right. In those other division games. You're right. It's the Bills are a great team. And the one thing I don't want to hear about this is the only thing bothering me right now. And it's not everybody. I see so much talk lately of injuries with the Bills. Every single team has massive backbreaking injuries. Backbreaking. I get it. You lost Hyde and Poyer's been banged up and Milano missed the jet game. No, it, obviously, Trey is, White hasn't played for them. Sure. You drafted a corner in the first round. Like, I, I just don't want to hear that. Ex- I think the Bills are well coached and more t- and talented enough to overcome that because mm-hmm. a lot of other teams are right now. So uh, they'll figure it out and Allen will figure it out. But he just, they need to protect him from himself a little bit. And obviously, the backbreaking turnovers just, they, they just can't happen at this kind of rate, because like you said, Trevor, I think the most notable thing is that you watch some of them and you're like, I I can't wrap my head around this kind of turnover. Uh, And the one thing I do want to say for the Vikings, uh, because I I noticed Justin Jefferson crossed 4,000 career receiving yards today, which is unbelievable. Mike Giardi had a really good tweet uh, that he is him. uh, He tied Lance Allworth and OBJ for the fewest games to reach 4,000 career receiving yards, 42 games for those three. Pretty unique company. I thought you were just about to say, Mike Giardi uh, said earlier today, he is him. Uh, I thought that's what you were going <laughs> to That would have been much better, much better. But I, I didn't want to make up a quote. Uh, and no, I, need to double, I, I need to double click this check mark. Oh, yeah, because we need to do that now. Look, my my what matters most is the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota Vikings are legit. They're a tier one NFL team, I think. They are a team that can beat anybody any given week. Um, Justin Jefferson's a top three wide receiver in the NFL. If you have a top three wide receiver list and Jeff- Je- Justin Jefferson's not in it, it's wrong. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what else to tell you. He's, he's the best receiver in the he's league. He's un- uncovered. Well, when Tyreek Hill is, is on, his speed to me puts him in a category that nobody else can touch. So I would, I would kind of lean towards Tyreek being the, I don't have a definitive one. There's so many good wide receivers in the NFL, but if I did have to have a one, it would probably be Tyreek, but then Justin Jefferson's two. And at the very least he is three because it just every single week he's, he's uncoverable, man. You mentioned he's the quickest guy to get to what was it? 4,000 yards receiving um, in his few games as he's been able to do. It's just it, monster performances every single week. This is an absolute signature game for him, a takeover performance. And it just felt like down the stretch, Buffalo knew exactly where the ball was going. They knew exactly where the ball was going and they couldn't do anything about it. 
Justin Jefferson continued to come up with it. There were so many plays where Jefferson was catching the ball at the sideline where he not only had to balance the like two inches that he had to work with in bounds, but there were also two Buffalo Bills defensive backs right next to him. And yet he was still coming down with catches because he's Justin freaking Jefferson and he's unbelievable. I do think Kirk Cousins is different this year. I think he's better this year. Do I think that he's Patrick Mahomes? No, but I think that he puts his team in a position to win every single week. I will say this too. The offensive line of Minnesota is a good offensive line. They had, there's not a single player on this offensive line that graded less than 65 in pass blocking against a really damn good pass rush at the Buffalo Bills. One point. of the best pass rushes in the NFL. Zadarius Smith and Danielle Hunter, one sack apiece again each today. They are making their case for the best pass rushing edge duo in the NFL. Yes, the secondary in Minnesota is a little bit shaky, but they can get it done. It's an up-and-down unit anyways. All of that to say, I'm here for Minnesota, man. I'm here for what they're doing. Would I be betting them against the Chiefs? Okay, probably not, but it's just they are right there. They are a team that gives themselves a chance talent-wise, execution-wise, whatever it is. To beat any team, anything, any any week, and if I say that about you, you have to be a tier one team to me. That's what I think. Outside of a yeah. team being utterly dominant, which I haven't seen yet this season, even though the Chiefs are playing a little bit better, uh, Minnesota's in tier one for me after this week. They have to be unbelievable road win. Um, going to Buffalo, such a tough place to play. It was snowing for at least the first part of that game. I, I can't even remember if it was snowing at the end because my jaw was on the floor and I was trying to pick it up with all the plays that we were watching. But I think Minnesota's for real, man. So I know we spent a ton of time on that game, but. No, I mean, how can you not? It was a game. I mean, it was like the game of the year. We had how to. can you not? It yeah. it deserves every bit of the time spent on it. So, I mean, uh, well, there's that. That's how the show goes. I mean, we're gonna we really hammer down on two huge games to start the day, and we'll pick up the pace a little bit. But plenty of other good stuff to go around. I do want to go transition to Lions Bears, which mm-hmm. was a freaking awesome game today and maybe a little overshadowed because neither team is necessarily deep in a playoff race or, but if you like whenever Trevor, you bring it up, like if you like the NFL draft, like this is kind of your game because young players on both sides of the ball, coaching staffs that are trying to get right, trying to keep these guys motivated. And they all looked really, really motivated and hungry to win this game. What mattered most to me in this game Mm -hmm is that Aiden Hutchinson looked like a guy that was worthy of being a top three selection that can take over games for you that can't not take over, but close out games for you. I saw a side of Aiden Hutchinson in the second half of this game that I've been waiting for this year. And I thought he was phenomenal. And and obviously the numbers back it up. When you look at what he's done, uh, he had four pressures in this game. He had a huge sack of Justin Fields in this game. He had a couple plays against the run one at the goal line. I thought Hutchinson looked, he had four solo stops in this game and a tackle for a loss. I thought he looked really, really good. And I thought most importantly, he had his big moments when they needed him the most. They said, we got to go out and win this game. We need you. So the lions getting that kind of performance from Aiden Hutchinson is exactly what can turn around their defense and lead to closing out games, not losing by a field goal or a touchdown every week. This was a fun game to watch some young players go off. You know, you talked about Aiden Hutchinson, and you mentioned some of the stats that he had. Um, they pointed this out on the broadcast. I think it was Mark Sanchez who was doing that game, who was doing the color commentary for that game. But he pointed this out, and it was tr- it was true. 
when Justin, he's really good, by the way, I just want to say that I do think Mark Sanchez is good. Yeah, he's I think really so, good. I enjoyed this game a lot. Sometimes he pushes it a little bit with some of the jokes. That he tells, yes, but that's yes, just, absolutely. That's, <laughs> but that's the nature of like, I feel like where a lot of the color guys are going with their analysis. So I, I don't, I don't blame him too much for it, but he is really good at pointing things out. And he pointed this out on Justin Fields interception that he threw to Jeff Akuda, which Looked like it was supposed to be a screen to Cole Komet. Yeah. And the reason why Justin Fields panicked is because Aiden Hutchinson immediately recognized that something wasn't right when he was kind of getting upfield toward Justin Fields. And he was like, oh, this is a screen. So he immediately got in the throwing window of exactly where Justin was going to go to throw the ball quickly to Cole Komet. And then Justin almost had to pump fake it. And he was like, oh, crap. Now I got to hold on to it a little bit more. Then he feels the pressure coming from the backside. He releases the ball. It goes to Jeff Akuda. It's a pick six. It was a monumental game-changing play. Point. Justin Fields was able to score after that on that unbelievable run that we saw. But still, that was huge because of Aiden Hutchinson. So I'll, I'll say this, too. I know, I know Hutchinson's getting a lot of uh, crap this season. And honestly, I felt like this year was going to be a struggle for Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah. And... The reason why is because I think Hutchins has got to put on some weight. You know, like he's hmm. what six foot. He's uh, six seven. He's six foot six and five eight. So essentially, yeah. he is six foot seven with cleats on. Connor, he's two hundred and sixty pounds. Yeah. Like I, I think, I think over the next two seasons, we're going to see Aiden Hutchinson start to play a lot closer and more comfortable to like a 270 a 272 and he's going to be bigger he's going to be stronger he's going to be more explosive like he's not there right now he's just kind of trying to figure it out at his current weight but that was a big takeaway that i even had from watching hard knocks is you know he'd he'd go out on the practice field and do the thing that that everybody does where you know like you kind of like crop top your jersey and they like tuck the jersey into the pad so like you just see their whole midsection and i'm like this dude's a wide receiver. Like this, he looks like a wide receiver. There's so much more more mass that he can put on his frame. And obviously, you don't want him just to throw on weight and then become slower. You don't sure. want him to do that. But I think that you've seen players. That's why I said over two years, two off seasons upcoming, that we're going to see him put on really good weight, really good strength, and he's going to be a damn good edge rusher. I think so. I, I, I'm glad you shouted him out. I like that as well. Also wanted to shout out. Uh, our guy Jack Sanborn, linebacker from Wisconsin, who had two sacks in this game, led the Bears in tackles. Obviously, no Roquan Smith anymore, so there's a lot of tackles to go around. Jack Sanborn ends up leading the team in tackles. Also had an interception that his interception got called back from a penalty, but the That's penalty right. didn't have anything to do with him picking the ball off. So I wanted to make sure that I shouted that out as well. Connor, what mattered most for me with these teams and we talked about Justin. Honestly, the thing that matters most is that Justin Fields still looks phenomenal, and that's 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 awesome to see. I'm I'm glad that he's just playing with so much confidence. He, These teams, he, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, they don't have enough playmakers on mm, offense. I agree. They yeah. just don't. They just don't have enough playmakers right now. I mean, when you look at the Lions, Goff had an okay day. Amon Ross St. Brown had 11 targets, 10 yard or 10 receptions, 119 yards. The next closest target getter was Khalif Raymond with three. You know, so there's there's so much of a talent discrepancy in the passing game that they just have to force feed them on Ross St. Brown. To me, I love them on Ross St. Brown. I'd love for a legit wide receiver one to get in there. Now they've got James Williams. He's coming back. But even after that, man, go add another wide receiver 
in, I'm going to say, anywhere from rounds two to four. Doesn't have to be two. Calm down, Lions fans. I know you got other needs. But just anywhere from that mark to where you go into next season, maybe with a Bryce Young, a C.J. Stroud, but also an Amon Ross St. Brown, a Jamison Williams, and let's get a big body in there. I'd love to see them get a bit like an X type of receiver. And then all of a sudden, man, you're talking about a decent offensive output for uh, for Detroit, like we already saw at the beginning of the season. So I think that's there. And then, of course, the same thing, thing for the Chicago Bears. You know, you look at Chicago. Cole Komet led their team in targets with seven um, on this game. He had 74 yards, a 50-yard touchdown, which was awesome. Um, he had two touchdowns in this game. Darnell Mooney then had four targets as well. But they just don't really have anybody after that. Claypool had two targets for one catch and eight yards. He's definitely got to step up a little bit more, but there just weren't enough offensive playmakers. And I'm excited to watch what these teams are going to do in the off season to get a little bit better on the offensive side of the ball. Me too, man. Me too. I think that, yeah, I mean, once again, like you said, it was fields made some crazy plays with his legs in this one and a couple of really nice throws. Obviously the interception was tough and, and kind of changed this game. But it, this was a really, really fun game to watch with how much energy both sides brought and, and good for the Lions as well to kind of get back on track here. You could see how much this meant to Dan Campbell after the win, as it always does. So mm-hmm. an exciting game. Uh, but we will turn to no, let's keep it exciting. Let's keep it exciting here. I don't want to I don't want to turn to like the snoozer. You just say bad. You just say but but we will turn to Yeah, that was a bad sell. Bad sell. So I'm not going to that game. Okay, I won't right. ever tell anybody what game I was talking about. I'll, I'll never Browns know. Dolphins. Ah, yes. Browns, Browns Dolphins. Dolphins. A game that it felt closer to me than this. I don't know than why. Th- than 39-17? Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, I, wa- I watched almost all of this game as well, and I just, I never, I guess because the Dolphins really, you know, started to run away in the third quarter. It came out of half 17-7. They scored 13 in the third quarter. I mean, Trevor, for me, what matters most is Tua is just throwing beautiful, beautiful He's layers. He's on fire, man. Beautiful throws at all three levels with touch, and he truly, when you keep Tua upright or you create space for the targets, and which Mike McDaniel, great on him and how he's taking advantage of the weapons they have, but Tua is just the the touchdown throw to Trent Sherfield was gorgeous. Yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, that whole drive. Whole that drive. Whole two, he had to throw that before. whole two minute drive yes. was beautiful from Tua. I, I just, for me, with this situation with the Dolphins, it's that. You got your quarterback. He is just such a beautiful touch thrower in a sense of where he could drop the ball or tight windows, uh, timing, get the ball to playmakers in space so they can catch and run. So that was the big thing to me that I came away watching this game and go, the Dolphins offense can literally beat anybody, anybody. I just, I still have questions about this defense as much as it was good to see Bradley Chubb get involved. This was a weird, by the way, really weird family day. Did you notice this? Mm-hmm. Nick Chubb and Bradley Chubb cousins played each other. Yep. Um, there was the da- uh, Dalvin Cook and James Cook. Played Dalvin Cook and other. James Cook played against each other. And then Amon Ra and yeah. Equinemius yep. played against each other. Yep. And I think there was one. It was like total family day it in was. the NFL, it which was. is so freaking cool. And by the way, for anyone that doesn't know, Quincy Williams and Quinn Williams kick ass together every Sunday. The Jets play <laughs> on the same front seven. It's, so it's family, family Sunday every Sunday in New yeah, York, brother. Exactly. <laughs> so, all right. I've hogged enough of this one. Uh, Tua looked awesome. 
Tua, you can go, you could say it with your chest. Tua looks like a draft hit, man. Tua looks good. Mike McDaniel, Mike McDaniel is perfect for Tua. And as long as he could, they can keep him healthy, because we know he's had some serious, serious injuries off of hits in the pocket. Yep. That offense can can get into it with anyone. It's wild to watch. And we say that all the time, but I want to make sure Tua gets the credit as the catalyst that he is, because it did not look this way when they had to play backup quarterbacks out there. Right. No, that's that's no, that's a good note. Look, uh, w- when we say what matters most for teams every single week, sometimes it's not anything drastically different. A lot of what we're going to say about this game and, and what Connor said there, what I'm about to say on the Dolphins, it's it's very similar to kind of what we've been saying over the last couple of weeks. This team's rolling. It's all about their offense. It's the fact that they could score on anybody. And Connor, the thing that I would just want to emphasize this week, and, and I talked about it a little bit last week, but the speed that they have um, huh. basically at every level of the field, whether it's the backfield, whether it's quick pass in the middle over, uh, you know, in the intermediate or deep down the field, this team's just faster than everybody. They've got offensive weapons that can blaze by you. I think we saw that in the run game in particular today with Jeff Wilson going over 100 yards. He had 119 yards, and then Raheem Mostert as well. He had 65 yards as well. Both of those guys had a touchdown. And if you watch those two rushing touchdowns, the element that stands out to you the most is that these guys just blow by defenders. They are but they are all so fast. So it's it's one of those things where it feels like Mike McDaniel and Chris Greer drafted a Madden team, right? They just sorted speed and got a bunch of really fast wide receivers, a bunch of really fast running backs, and basically said, if we get open space at all whatsoever, you're gone. It's over. I'm padding the stats. And that's what it feels like the Dolphins are doing that in real life. The team speed of the Dolphins is unmatched right now. I don't know if any any defense in the NFL can legitimately keep up with them. It's basically a matter of execution. Um, can Tua get the ball where it needs to go? And I think that's the bit then the question mark with the Dolphins the entire season. But to this point, the resounding answer, certainly since Tua has come back from his concussions, has been yes. He's he's been fantastic, and he's been one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL at getting it done in the offense that he is operating in. And when I say that, I don't mean that as a caveat either. The man is playing well. He is a catalyst and a reason why they are playing well as a team. Dolphins are on fire, man. Now on top of that division, they ain't playing for a wild card spot anymore. The Dolphins are playing for a chance to maybe even be the one seed when it's all said and done, which for as much as some people might have believed in the Dolphins going into this year, I don't think anybody was predicting that. And they've put them in the driver's seat to be able to do that. So that's a uh, big feat for them. And that's my what what matters most. I mean, there's just no way around it. It's it's you could say it right like people i people struggle so much to give Tua credit i don't because i really liked Tua and thought i was really wrong when i loved that pick and this year it has turned out the opposite way um and we'll see how it goes watching him and herbert the you know juggling of who are you taking all the time mm-hmm. has gotten a lot more interesting as much as while we're recording this podcast herbert looks really really good tonight all right, let's transition to Denver, Tennessee. Mm. This game, literally, no, I've never seen a first quarter where nothing happened before. <laughs> and uh, not a single thing, I swear, nothing happened in the first quarter of this game. Like, when it went to the second quarter, I was like, wow, that's impressive. There was really nothing going on. It got better, obviously. The flea flicker um Hold on, now I, now, now, I gotta, now I gotta look at what the stats were in the first quarter. I gotta sort it. 
I, can, I swear I felt like nothing happened. Quarter period. I mean, nobody nobody scored any points. I don't think anybody so... mo- moved either way. I don't uh passing stats. Let's see. We go to Broncos. We go to Titans. Let's see the passing stats here. Okay. Russell Wilson had 79 passing yards. Ryan Tannehill had 35. Incredible. Absolute output right there. Rushing stats. Derrick Henry had 16 yards. Melvin Gordon had six. All right. Yeah. yeah not, not a lot going on. Not a whole lot going on in the first quarter. Not a lot going on. Hey, sometimes you got to um, warm the body up. Sometimes you just got to warm it up, you know? The flea fi- flicker was sweet. And I my takeaway from this game, and this isn't overly creative, because how many times could we say, like, just come on here and kind of knock Russ or, mm-hmm. you know, be hard harsh on Hackett and the Broncos lose again? You might not like it. You might not enjoy it. But my God, Mike Vrabel just knows how to scratch and claw in the dirt to win football games. It's it is ugly, boring, um, unconventional, whatever you may think it. But the guy doesn't really blink. I mean, they were losing going into the half uh, against a team that they were supposed to be much better than coming into this game. Tannehill's back. Malik Willis had been starting, but Tannehill's back for this game. Derrick Henry did not get much going in this at all. And whether it's the flea flicker call or just their understanding of when to be aggressive and when not to be, I don't think Tennessee's a great team by any stretch of the means, but they can win in such a uh, like ugly, boring fashion that I genuinely think it's a skill of Vrabel. Like Vrabel reminds me of Tomlin in a way that it'd be very hard to see Vrabel like go into a re full rebuild like this team stinks funk for a long time in Tennessee like over a year kind of stretch like he's just he's that kind of coach that it, it feels like they're not the most talented team a lot of times they go on the field but he just always has them ready to play and this game kind of to me uh summarized that no Vrabel's awesome um he's such a good coach he's truly one of the best head coaches in the NFL I'm my what matters most I'm gonna go to the other side of things I'm gonna talk about the Broncos um good luck brother russell wilson was hit 17 times in this game sacked six times now the offensive line was down to like second and even third stringer so it just i mean the whole offense is beat up yeah so it's not, he holds the ball so it's not long. great but he is he's holding on to the ball the titans were getting a ton of pressure on him that sucks but i you know as i was doing research for this show I, i'll i guess i'll just tell you the numbers right now the Denver Broncos had just over 300 total yards on offense. I think they had 313. Connor, that was on 73 offensive plays. Mm. They had 73 offensive plays, and they barely got over 300 total yards of offense. And 66 of them came on a blown coverage touchdown pass. If you even turn that into a 20-yard game, they're getting less than 300 yards on 73 plays. It's awful, man. That's just absolutely terrible. I thought the defense was very stout, as the Broncos have always been, other than the two blown plays they had with the flea flicker and then the other um, pass to, oh, who was it? Um, Westbrook Akine, the, the wide receiver, who had a monster day just because of those plays. I don't really know what the Broncos are going to do. I don't think they're going to fire Nathaniel Hackett. And the reason why I ultimately don't think they're going to fire Nathaniel Hackett is because 
they went through and interviewed a lot of the head coaches that you might think, okay, we can fire him after one year. Let's go get it, go get somebody else. Unless they're hiring Sean Payton, mm. I don't think you can really fire Nathaniel Hackett because you interviewed everybody last cycle. They interviewed Gerard Mayo, Dan Quinn, Kellen Moore, um, Hackett, obviously, Bienemy, Jonathan Gannon from the Eagles. Um, Kevin O'Connell, obviously you can't hire him now. Aaron Glenn, you wouldn't want to hire him. Doug Peterson, you can't hire him. Luke Getze, uh, Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator for the Bengals. That's it. Like, yeah, you're right. You're right. You already interviewed those guys and you chose Hackett over them. So you're not going to fire Hackett and then be like, Hey, you know, we're going to pick a guy that we interviewed last year that we didn't hire. So to me, I think a lot of people are looking at the Broncos. They're going, man, the offensive side of the ball is absolutely putrid. Nathaniel Hackett's supposed to be an offensive coordinator, like an offensive guy. I don't know who I don't I don't know how they would fire Nathaniel Hackett just to fire him and then go through another coaching search. The only way that you could fire him is if you're getting Sean Payton. Is Sean Payton going to the Denver Broncos? I don't think so. Highly doubt it. So like even D'Amico Ryan's, I don't think that you're firing Nathaniel Hackett just to go hire D'Amico Ryan. I I don't think they're going to do that. Maybe maybe if they like Jim Harbaugh enough, they would do that. But again, I think that Jim Harbaugh was kind of available last year. They could have interviewed Jim Harbaugh, I think, and they didn't. So, a little weird, man. Um, I think the Broncos are kind of stuck. And the thing that matters most for me is I know people are saying, hey, Hackett might be a one-and-done thing. This is another game where it was terrible. It looks apathetic with the fans. It's not really a great situation. I I just don't see them firing Hackett at this point because all the other guys that they would replace him with who are out there, they already interviewed, and they pick Hackett over. So can you really do that? I don't know. Anyways, we can move on. They'd have to be bullied into it. Uh, My one last note. For the Titans, just to the overall point of, like, they find a way. No Jeffrey Simmons in this game. They were down a lot of guys on defense. The Nico Autry, Trev, had 11 pressures. I mean, he's been, he's been good this season. 11 pressures. The Nico Autry was awesome in this a lot, game. A lot of pressures. 32-year-old Denico Autry. You love to see um, it. Hey, really, before we, before yeah, we move on ahead. to yep. the next game, got to ask the good people, what if you could have invested in Tom Brady's stock as a rookie? If you would have done that. Hypothetically, of course, your investment would have been worth over 4,000% today. Now, it's no longer a question of what if, but now it's just a who is next. Because Mojo, the all-new sports stock market, lets you invest in your favorite athletes, now lets you cash in on your passion. Sign up right now on the Apple Store to get your first free stock for free, worth up to potentially 10 of thousands of dollars if you hit it big. Over 300 players are listed on Mojo right now, so you can invest in rookies like Kenneth Walker, rising stars. You could go with Saquon Barkley, who had 35 carries today, who we need to get to at some point because that's absolutely absurd. You can talk about breakout stars like Patrick Mahomes. You think this the ceiling is even higher. Go long to make your money when an underrated diamond in the rough player breaks out. Or you can short sell an overrated rival and make some money as they flop too. You can make money that way just like real stocks. Prices move with every play, every game, every headline, so you can buy and sell instantly anytime all year long, so that action never stops. Mojo is live in New Jersey now, so download Mojo in the App Store today. Start turning your playmakers into moneymakers. Must be 21 years or older and located in New Jersey to make trades. If you got a gambling problem, help is available at 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit mojo.com for more 
info. Also, our friends over at No House Advantage are changing the game by offering you the most dynamic fantasy platform available today. You can play in pick'em contests versus other people out there for a shot at winning $250,000 in cash. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for your correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot to win big money every single day. You can also test your house versus this your test your skills versus the house. That's how that works. And 20 times your entry if you hit all of your picks right. Bet enough to five player prop over unders or individual player matchups across every major sporting league, which include the NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and even NASCAR. Sign up with the promo code stock STOCK at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app on the app store to get your first deposit match up to $25. Make sure you check out no house advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined. Cause it's not just about how you play, but also where you play. And you guys definitely won't want to miss out on what no house advantage is doing. Connor, where are we going next? What's the next game here? Chiefs Jaguars, man. And I will right. let you start because I've been hogging a lot of the starts so far. Okay. Take a deep breath after the ad. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you get your, catch your breath here? You just did all the ad reads. I know my, my timing is was absolute crap. Hey, no, Trevor, you just talked for 20 minutes straight. Here, you can talk <laughs> again now that we're on Chiefs-Jaguars. It's fine. I'm built, I'm built different. I'm You're built, built for different, this. baby. The listeners aren't. They want me to shut the hell up, but it's too bad. We're giving our what matters most. Chiefs 27, Jacksonville Jaguars 17. Never felt that close. It really didn't. And I think the what matters most with this game is I, I've got things I liked with the Jags. Like there were a handful sure. of Trevor Lawrence throws. There were a handful of Trevor oh, yeah. Lawrence drives where I was like, okay, man, this is great. This is continuing the building block of what we said last week where the Jags aren't there yet, but they are making improvements. It's what you want to see. Again, that's what I think this game was. One team is in a winning window and they're really talented at a lot of spots. The other team is young. They're not there yet. They're still trying to figure it out. That's the game that we watched. That's why the result was what it was. But the thing that mattered most is I love that Kansas City is already getting Kadarius Toney involved in the game. Whether Scary. it's out of the backfield, whether it's as a receiver, whatever they're doing with the man, they're getting this unique, talented individual involved. I didn't see what... Um, Juju Smith-Schuster's injury was at the end of the game, but I know he went out with a scary crown of the helmet hit, and they had yeah. to help him off the field. Um, Concussion protocol right away. Yeah, I, I know that. I just wasn't sure if it was it was too much more than that. Like if it was a neck injury or something, I'm I'm not sure. Maybe you found that, or maybe you could look it up. But especially, up. especially if Juju Smith-Schuster is going to miss time getting a dynamic playmaker who you could dump the ball off to over the middle, who can get you yards after the catch. I mean, that can be Kadarius Tony's bread and butter. So even with Juju Smith-Schuster in the game, it was good to see Tony get some action, but especially if he's going to miss some time, they need somebody to fill that yards after catch dynamic role, especially as an over the middle player. And I think that Kadarius Tony can, Tony can definitely be that. So in a, what matters most? Yes. Lawrence's performance. I think that he was good. Again, he's taking steps towards being a really good quarterback, but not a ton to hang your hat on for the Jags. They were just playing a team that was better than them. For the Chiefs, something that can matter in the long run is how they use Kadarius Tony already, which was very creative, and I'd love to see it. Uh, I'll roll with the Chiefs here because we asked maybe a week or two ago, you know, we were talking about Jalen Carter. We were like, how many great interior D-line in the league really are there? And, and we talked about Quentin Williams, Aaron Donald, Chris Jones, although admittedly I needed to really focus more in on what Chris Jones has been doing this year, so I did that. 
I mean, he's just phenomenal, phenomenal. And and he's he's a defensive player of the year level player right now for a Kansas City defense that has to have that from him. Kansas City has to be thinking Super Bowl this year. Obviously, their offense is really good. Mahomes has somehow quietly been great. Chris Jones, two sacks today. Uh, one was flying off the edge. Another was from the interior. It looked like he was lined up at three as a three tech. Just the way they can move him around the line, Trevor, and how good he is as a pass rusher is remarkable. And I, th- I think people know that, but I think looking at it this year, when you really dive into what Chris Jones has done this year, he's just he's been as good as he ever has. There's not been a drop off or an average Chris Jones year. When you dive into what he's doing right now, he's tremendous. So the Chiefs are going to need that version of Chris Jones to win the Super Bowl. And he looked like that guy today and has looked like that guy for most of the season. Yeah, you know, when it was at the beginning of last season, wasn't it? When Spags, their defensive coordinator, was it was reported that they were going to like play Chris Jones full time as an edge rusher off the edge. And, yep. and like the pass rush grades and the pass rush rim, win percentage were great for that. But he was starting to get really exposed when teams would leave him as the unblocked man and read option plays. Yep. So all of a sudden, like you're forcing Chris Jones to be an athlete to either cover a quarterback in space if they're going to keep it or just crash down onto a running back or even like handle the running back in space, Great whatever point. it was. And that was something that he really struggled with. And that was where a lot of the criticism came with run defense when he was playing as a full-time edge guy. He's not playing as a full-time edge player anymore, but Spags now is inserting him in those situations where he can play as an edge rusher. And I, I, need to look up the numbers again, but when I looked them up a couple of weeks ago, he has one of the highest pass rush win percentages in the NFL when yep. you just focus on him as an edge player, like as a defensive end, as a five-tech guy. So clearly that size, strength, speed matchup is giving offensive tackles fits, and they are using him appropriately as an edge rusher this year as opposed to trying to force a square peg into a round hole like it felt like they were a couple of years ago. So good on Spags for noticing that and putting him in some better situations. All right, what game is next? All right, let's keep it moving. We did Jags-Chiefs. Um, I know we're going to get to the Giants, like you said. We are. This time for the Giants. The Giants game where, like you said, Saquon Barkley had 35 carries in this game. They're trying to kill him! They are trying to kill him. They're trying him. to kill him! What are they, they doing? If they don't pay Saquon Barkley, boy, does this look like <laughs> we ran him into the ground. And what ultimately, I think they they will find a way to keep a player with his kind of talent around. I don't think that actually has anything to do with this. I, the Giants, to me, um, the takeaway for me is, I think Darius Slayton is so underrated, man. Every time people go, and I, I'm guilty of it too, that the giants have nothing at wide receiver. My argument is keep playing Darius Slayton. He like he, when he gets his chances and this goes back to his rookie year, the guy can produce and he's better than all these other guys that they keep trotting out there anyway. So I know Slayton had the big touchdown catch on um, a good throw that Daniel Jones was blitzed on. He was under very, very heavy pressure and got the ball out to Slayton. So that's my giants takeaway. But I think more importantly from this game as Brian Dable like wildly underrated in the coach of the year candidacy. I know he's like plus 800 on some of the odds boards. I, I don't know what more you want Brian able to do with this roster sitting at seven and two with a four and one home record. Yeah. Trevor, the Texans. I know Davis mills threw for over 300 yards. When you really watch this offense, it's just, they just don't have 
answers at a lot of key places still. Damian Pierce is a nice player, absolutely a nice player. But Kenyon Green, I thought, had a pretty tough day. He he struggled in pass pro and with penalties, got called for a really critical hold. Mills made some really bad decisions in this game. He took a couple sacks. He just doesn't move overly well. I don't know what to say about the te- the Texans. I hate saying this. They feel really far away. I watched this game against the Giants, the Giants mm-hmm. who I don't look at the Giants getting off the bus for the game and say, wow, they're a way further along football team on paper than Houston. I don't look at it that way. They're just better coached and they do get more from the quarterback, despite the numbers, maybe not looking that way. The Texans, man, they need a big offseason. When I watch this game, I just look at it and go, they have so many problems right now. And it does make me wonder, going back to the rumors of Tunzel, Tunzel will be really good for a rookie quarterback in there. But there's also the flip side. By the time you're good again, will Tunzel contract be up and will he be getting older? So they, they have a lot of critical decisions to make. And watching this game to me, uh, was kind of the pinnacle of that. They just they just don't seem even close right now. Yeah, and there's look a, a, at least you know when you say that I don't I don't totally disagree with you, but that's why they're currently picking at the very top of the draft order, right? Because they're a team that's far away from competing, as you're seeing now. And when you look at the next two years for the Texans, they've got two. This is this upcoming year in 2023, two first round picks, a second round pick, two third round picks, a fourth, a fifth. Uh a six, three seventh round picks. And then in 20, one of those. And then in 2024, they've got two first round picks again, a second round pick, a third round pick, two fourth round picks, a fifth, uh, and two sevenths, three sevenths, one of the two. There's a lot, of, a lot of there's a lot of text right there of, of which pick this is that they traded. So I'm not sure. They might have two second round, seventh round picks in 2024. They might only have one. Tune into NFL Stock Exchange later to find out. Get more uh, when we when we confirm this. But look, yeah, they are far away, but thankfully they have a lot of draft picks for it. So it's gonna be exciting times here on this podcast if you are a Texans fan. So stick around, grab a comfy chair. You're they got a hit on them. I mean, I- I'm sorry, Kenyon Green just he looked awful today. He looked really like, and that's not a pick that I thought I didn't dislike Kenyon green as a player. I didn't value him as a guy you're taking in the top 15. I, this just, this is what I'm saying. Like in two years, they could look a lot different. They have all those picks, but mm. I'm not ultra confident right now that the plan is necessarily in the right hands. Well, it's, it's hard. And maybe to that's say, not fair. It's hard to say that when we don't think that they have, that we don't think the coach they currently have is going to stick around when we don't exactly trust what's going on in the front office. I mean, like Casario, okay, we don't know a ton about him. He had to navigate the whole Deshaun Watson stuff. He did a good job of getting a lot of picks back for it, but we haven't really seen him hit on a ton of those guys. I like his draft this past draft, but you feel awful for Mechie. Of course, you got to give him like, yeah, you're not, you're not, yeah. like Mechie got leukemia and is going yeah. through treatment. No, like, I, I, I like the last draft that they had. I really like this. So I don't I hope- know if I did, but I, I like Stingley yeah. a lot. Um, yeah. Petrie's, I think, going to be better. He's missing way too many tackles right now. An alarming rate. Does I don't know if he just doesn't want to tackle or what. I, I just don't really understand it. I mean, they, that's, that is that is off-season bulletin board number one for him, is he's got to figure out a way to stop missing Take a tackles. Look at his day. Um, I mean, he's yeah, he, missed, by, he missed two more got, today. Well, he's got by far the most missed tackles on the season of any player yeah. in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, you see it every single week. So that's something that needs to get better. At. Obviously, they picked Jamie Pearson. He's been fantastic. You hope Kenny yep. Green works out. Um, 
the John Mechie, uh, I mean, that sucks, man. I hope that John Mechie can come back. Same, of course. Healthier and better than ever, but we will see with that. Anyways, uh, my thing that mattered most is the Giants, for as much as we praise, or as much as I praise them for knowing their identity and knowing exactly who they are, <laughs> knowing their identity and exactly who they are means that they ran the ball 47 times and only passed the ball 17 times a day. That is a wild run pass split man that and they controlled the whole game crazy but they did i think the giants margin for error is very slim i think the giant i think the giants are going to make sure. the playoffs because they have a good enough record to make the playoffs so i think they're going to sneak in as a wild card team and i think they're going to lose in the first round of the playoffs because they're going to go up a te- against a team that is going to challenge them a little bit more i don't think they're going to get blown i'm not saying they're going to get blown out i don't know what the matchup is going to be but when i watch this giants team the margin for error to me is so small for this giants team and it should be right i don't don't mean it to come off as this big giants hater or anything like that the giants shouldn't be here right like the giants shouldn't be this good we shouldn't be talking about the giants as a playoff team but we are and that is a testament to how well Brian Dable has done as a head coach and how, again, these guys are playing to their strength every single week. But the strength of the New York Giants is a brand of football whose margin for error is very low. If you lose the turnover battle just a little bit and you're going up against a team that really knows how to throw the ball, I think Giants could get in trouble against one of those better teams if they meet them in the playoffs. That's all. So anyways, we can go on to the next one. All right, we'll pick up the pace a little bit for some of these Steelers Saints. I don't know if you had strong thoughts on the Steelers winning 20 to 10 with the return of TJ Watt. I mean, Jameis is healthy, right? Right? Oh my god. Yeah. What are we what are we doing? That's what, they, that's what the team says. What are we doing? I don't know. Why are we I really what, don't what, know. what are you doing? What how are you how are you wasting time right now? Andy Dalton is 35 years old and he's on a one-year contract. What are you doing? Play Jameis Winston. Please come on. I I almost I almost don't even care if 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 you think that Andy Dalton barely gives you a better chance to win right now. It's not like you're going to re-sign Andy Dalton to this deal that matters at all whatsoever for a winning window that you have. So this is I've if you would have explained to me kind of what they've been doing with Andy Dalton up to this point, I'd been like, okay, I I get it. Like he's been like he's he he hasn't been the worst quarterback in the NFL recently so like cool we're done with that if, J- if Jameis is healthy play Jameis that you you have you have to do that at this point so that that's my one thing that matters most if Jameis is healthy stop stop with the, the charade with playing Dalton it's not going to get you anywhere you're not wrong I, I I'm kind of running out of words for the Saints I mean today was very uninspiring I would say watching that team very uninspiring. A lot of it is Andy Dalton. A lot of it's just a thing. Not much has gone right for them Michael this Thomas year. either, which is huge. I get it. But yeah, but like... you, they knew, you knew that going in. No, I, the, guy, yeah, the guy's played you. no football for how many years? Like, Oh, Michael Thomas? Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. he's barely played football for like two years now. Yeah, you're just, they're stuck with that contract. I will take a positive outlook for the Steelers. I thought today there was a little bit more of an effort to get George Pickens involved, it felt like with he got two rushing touches obviously the score um he only had four targets but it just felt like they knew to try to just get the ball in george pickens hands with those rushing touches so i liked that kenny pickett's still swimming a little bit but i thought you know what surprises me a pickett he's not seeing things well he was sacked six times today 
It feels like he's he's trying to run to make some plays, and I get it. It just feels like every everything's very fast for him right now. But credit to the Steelers' defense for putting them in a position where Pickett didn't have to be a hero today. Alex Highsmith had a really, really good game. Their whole front, I thought, had a really, really good game. And against the Saints' offense right now, that's all you need to do. Can we, uh, can we point out, as we are a draft podcast, that the Philadelphia Eagles currently have the number four overall pick in the NFL draft because of the New Orleans Saints? Oh, my God. There is I'm a telling you, Will realistic, Anderson, you are a Philadelphia. This is there is a you real are a we, are, we are not effing around anymore, Connor. No, no, code red. I said it like kind of tongue in cheek, joking last week, but kind of not. Almost fearful They're of it. They're gonna get Will Anderson. I want it to happen. I really want it to happen. It's what they need. When you watch that team, you're like, this is a freaking. Or they're gonna get Jalen Carter, or they're gonna put Jalen Carter next to Jordan Davis again. Jalen Carter mentored by Fletcher Cox. It's not fair. Once these once these alien human beings that go to college and then you 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 realize that they're alien human beings and you go, oh, okay, well, you know, we can't put all those guys in the same team in the pros because that would be unfair, right? We got to kind of divvy up the talent a little bit. They're not supposed to be able to do this. They're not supposed to be able to do this. It's why the draft was invented. Eagles, man. Howie Roseman, executive of the year. Okay, game the system. What, he gave the system. What's the next game? Game of Thrones, if you must will. be stopped. What's, Colts Raiders. He's the uh, he's the Cersei Lannister of uh, of the NFL. His wine, smiling, not yes. even smiling. Yeah, yeah. Colts Raiders. Oh boy, Jeff Saturday, you are the most Beasley. winning coach in NFL history at one and zero. Jeff Saturday's never lost a game. He's never lost an NFL game. I've always said this was a brilliant hire. So, uh, quick on the Colts, Jonathan. This is what if you have Jonathan Taylor in fantasy and you didn't sell low, you didn't trade him. Good for you because he's going to get he's healthy. He's going to get the ball a ton. I think he was on the field for a ton of their most of their passing snaps today as well. So, real quick on the Colts, great. The Raiders, I do it every week. I will do it again. Josh McDaniels is not an NFL head coach. No, he's an embarrassment. Nope. This team should not be this bad. Derek Carr looked totally wiped and defeated on the podium. I actually felt bad for Derek Carr on the podium today. Yeah. I just, blow, I, honestly, I don't, I try not to be the whole like one and done guy. I would blow everything up there. Everything. Yeah. I mean, everything. that's, that's my, that's my one thing that matters most is that I think this is, this, this has to be the kiss of death for McDaniel. Yeah. They got it wrong. Um, say it, you got it wrong. Mark Davis. Yeah, you got it wrong. You, de- you, got it you wrong. definitely got it. And again, I am I am totally with you, Connor. I hate doing that. I hate giving a coach one year because I don't very you, often believe you're not even playing with your players. I hate it. But if you can't beat a guy who has never even coached before against an offensive coordinator who's 30 years old and who has never called plays before, come on, my guy. I've gone back and forth on this podcast wondering over the last couple of weeks, okay. Is it Josh McDaniels or is it Derek Carr? Which one is it? Like, who are you picking at the end of the year? I think both of them should be gone. I think the I think the Las Vegas Raiders should basically clean sweep whatever they can of this team and this roster. I I I think that the coaching staff should be gone. I think Derek Carr should be gone. I think the the identity. Obviously, you're not getting rid of Devontae Adams. I think most of the identity of what this team currently is should not be here next year. That's where we're at. This loss is a stain that 
OxyClean can't even get out, man. Like this, this is, this is going to be bad. This is, it's going to be so hard because you look at next season and if you begin to struggle at all whatsoever next season, like let's say, let's say they finish the year decent even. And they get to the point where they don't want to get rid of anybody. Derek Carr stays for that this next year on his contract. Josh McDaniel stays because he was able to at least salvage his reputation a little bit. The second you start losing next year, even if it's in September, you're going to lose the fans. Fans are out. Oh yeah, fans oh, are yeah. done. And we are, and that's that's the dangerous point that we're at with the Las Vegas Raiders is that there's not real. I don't really think a lot of people believe in either party at this point. Not a lot of people who believe in Derek Carr still, even for the people who are like, hey, you know, he doesn't have the best supporting cast around him, right? Like guys like Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller, they've been hurt this year. The offensive line isn't as good as it needs to be, like whatever. Like even those people who have been defenders of Derek Carr, I don't I don't really hear those voices. I don't really read those voices anymore. So I think both of them need to be gone. That's what I think. This, this What matters most is that the Raiders better look a whole lot different next year or my God, is it going to be apathetic talking about the Raiders if it's not? So, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, it's it's actually frustrating logging on here and talking about them week after week because it's just they should have been so much better than this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, to get your pants pulled down by the Colts, like to just get pants by what the Colts have gone through in the last week. Terrible. Not great. At home. At, at least home. They, at least they have the number two overall draft pick. That is good. That is a good thing. That is a really good thing. Okay. Cowboys. Packers, Packers Cowboys. Cowboys. Or do you want to talk Cardinals Rams first? Cardinals Rams. Let's go out on a high note with Packers Cowboys. Okay. All right. Cardinals, Cardinals Rams. Cardinals come away with the victory 27 to 17. Cardinals four and six on the season. Rams three and six. Neither starting quarterback started in this one. Kyler Murray did not play. Matthew Stafford did not play. At one point, Cole McCoy, who is the backup to Kyler Murray, even got hurt. So we saw Trace McSorley for a little bit in this one. Um, Cooper Cup leaves the game with an injury for the Rams. McVeigh did not sound very hopeful at the end of the game. Sounds like Cooper Cup could be out for a while. Yeah. Um I I think I saw a stat that the Cardinals have an eleven and three road record over like since twenty twenty one, which is the best in the NFL, which I kind of said that is shocking. <laughs> it's just wild. They just can't win at home. This team sucks at home. Doesn't make any sense. I don't know. I don't really get it. Uh, anyways, Connor, what was your thing that mattered most here from this monumental that, Arizona Cardinals victory? The Panthers saved the Rams from themselves. Oh, my n- God. McVay would have retired this offseason. Maybe tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, McVay would have retired this offseason if they would have done this. If they would have done that Brian Burns trade. I'm, I'm serious. That's what matters most. The Rams yeah. season is over, and now it it's over. Yep. Thank, you lost to Colt McCoy, and I, yep. I know you you didn't have Stafford. If you traded for Brian Burns, two ones and a two, and then played, and, and let's be very clear here, as Trevor said on a previous show, Brian Burns is not changing the outcomes of these games. No. Okay? No. So, damn good player. Get damn good player. Not changing the outcome of these games. What matters most is that, yeah, the Panthers saved the Rams from themselves this season. Simple as that. Retweet. I agree. I look. I'm. I'm. I'm sorry if people are listening to this and they're you want fans more? of the Cardinals and they want oh, more about yeah. it. But like, um, 
Yeah, it's it, this. I, look, I I like that they got Rondell Moore involved a lot. Rondell Moore, thirteen targets, nine catches, ninety four yards. Love that. Would love to see Rondell Moore continue to get a lot of work in the passing game because I think that he's got untapped potential. Even though he's, um, it's taking a little bit while to get him out of his shell and show that a little bit here in the NFL. But th- there's just not a lot in this game that you can really judge. It's two backup quarterbacks. They're going to look completely different once the real quarterbacks get in there. So the result is what it is. It basically ended the Los Angeles Rams season. And uh, the thing that definitely mattered most is is that the Panthers saved the Rams' entire regime. Because if they would have accepted that trade um, just two short weeks ago, man, how how crazy wild is that? If That's two weeks wild. ago they would have accepted a trade, we'd literally be on this show right now talking about Les Snead retiring, Sean McVay retiring, uh, Matthew Stafford retiring. Like We'd be talking about all of that if they would have accepted the deal that the Rams submitted. I can't. I can't do it. All right, let's move on to Packers Cowboys. All right, last game of today's show. A great game. Another great game. A lot of really good games today. I can't believe how this game ended, honestly. Uh, me neither. Packers score 14 fourth quarter points. Um, Christian Watson catches three touchdowns in this game. Uh, obviously a massive breakout performance, a guy that they need green Bay. They need Aaron Rodgers to trust Chris Christian Watson going mm-hmm. forward. Aaron Jones was phenomenal. CD lamb. If Justin Jefferson didn't do what he did today, CD lamb would have been the talk of town. Uh, he was always open 11 catches, 150 yards, two touchdowns. I thought Dak was really good despite the interceptions. I'll be honest, Trev. I, I think, and I know it's, dumb to nitpick things that pass interference not being called on cd lamb in the overtime might have changed the entire outcome of this game but oh, it's, it did yeah yeah i agree 100%. but it's in the books green bay had to have this one they are now four and six they have life mm-hmm. they're three and two at lambo nobody's surprised by that actually people are probably surprised it's not four and one or five and oh i don't think this is a this isn't a big deal for the cowboys to me i think that's what matters most i, I didn't walk away yet yeah, thinks you lost by giving up 17 consecutive points i get that there wasn't something in this game that i looked at with dallas and said man that's a glaring issue like i didn't walk away in with this game yeah sure they had some lapses in the secondary okay i get that but even with the interceptions once again i thought dak was fine tony pollard did what tony pollard does when zeke is hurt had great runs Mm -hmm. cd lamb is a true number one maybe it for me is the Cowboys really need an, another receiver. And Jalen Tolbert obviously is not ready to play that offsides is penalty. That he can't great. even line up. He can't even line up. So that's probably it for me. Okay. So what matters most? Like It's amazing how I got to it after saying all this. Mm-hmm. The Cowboys need to sign Odell Beckham. Sure. They need to sign Odell Beckham. Sure. And, and sure. the Cowboys are fine right now. But if they want this to be the potentially the year, Oh, they do need a wide receiver. And the only thing out there is Ode- the only guy out there that you could just go get off the street who's going to be ready to go soon is Odell Beckham. That's what this game taught me. For Green Bay, huge win. They had to have this one or mm. things would have got really, really rocky there. And you can kind of see those emotions boiling over when Rodgers was screaming at LaFleur for that pass call towards the end of the game. But there's just no other way around it. Green, Green Bay keeps their season alive. And Christian Watson needs to do this level of play going forward the rest of the year because they just don't have a lot at wide receiver with that kind of big play threat. My thing that matters most, look what happens when you give Aaron Rodgers one competent wide receiver. One. 
And he's had his problems all year. This man's won back-to-back MVP awards, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, he is still an unbelievable quarterback. You give him one reliable receiver, and he made magic happen today. And it was beautiful to see. You know, Christian Watson, I think he seems to still have a little bit of issues tracking the ball over the shoulder. Even that first touchdown was a little bit shaky. What I loved that they were sure. doing, especially on that last touchdown, get Christian Watson involved in a lot of deep crossers. That's where I think you can have a lot of success with him, where you're not forcing him. Because look, some some guys just over the shoulder catches, it's not comfortable for them. They, they're not comfortable tracking it down through the air. They're not they're not comfortable knowing exactly where the ball is going to come in. And, it, it, and I think that we've seen a couple of instances um, even another deep pass during that game where Christian Watson kind of like lost it in the lights or whatever. And you, you remember that play where he like slowed up on a, on a, on a go route. And it then ended up just going off of his hand because he wasn't where he needed to be. And it's yeah. just sometimes that version of tracking deep down the field guys aren't comfortable with, and he's not comfortable with it right now. I'm not saying that he can't get to that level, but keep attacking deep down the field, but let Christian Watson go a little bit horizontal as well, where you got him on these deep crossers to where him catching the football is him turning and catching it like a regular catch. You're just still deep down the field. So you don't have to do the over the shoulder thing. So I think that that is something that they found this week that they could really build upon moving forward is a lot of, a lot of crossers and deep crossers with Christian Watson. That's how you get his speed involved in the game. That's how you can stretch the field. Rogers, for as much as I do not think he is blameless at all whatsoever when it comes to Green Bay struggles this season, he is still Aaron Rodgers. He is still unbelievable. That arm is still fantastic, and he's a back-to-back MVP for a reason. So if you support him just a little bit in the passing game, he can work wonders for you. He still only had 14 completions this game, so he's a long way off from the Aaron Rodgers of old, throwing out his arm. But they had Aaron Jones playing really well this week. That's the key. The, you know, on the flip side, that, that's definitely my thing that matters most. And the reason why I don't really have a thing that matters most for the Cowboys is this doesn't change my opinion of the Cowboys at all. Like, that's how I felt. I kind of felt like they should have won this game anyways. But even with them losing it, I didn't think they were going to overtake the Eagles for the one seed anyways. I always felt like they were going to be a wild card team. And even with the loss, they're still right now two games up on who would be the seventh seed in the San Francisco 49ers. So, to me, Cowboys are making the playoffs. I never thought they were going to be a team to host a playoff game. And so this just doesn't this doesn't really move the needle for me. Dak was good at times. Dak was bad at times. Tony Pollard's better than Ezekiel Elliott. We already knew that. They have CeeDee Lamb. They don't really have anybody else. Uh, defense is kind of up and down, but they've got good playmakers as well. A lot of guys who can collapse the pocket. A lot of guys who can get pressures. Like, all of that still exists. Kelvin Joseph definitely struggled today. But, you know, that's that, that, that's that, that's fine. My opinion of the Cowboys didn't really change today. It really didn't. So my one thing that matters most is much more towards the Packers side than anything else. If you want the glass half full Cowboys fans, maybe it's that it's started to identify itself how important getting Odell is, I think, where you'd rather know that now than in January. Like, you'd rather figure that out now and then be like, oh, we how could we see this coming? We thought Gallup would do more, or we thought this or that. So... Yeah, I'm with you. It's, it can't be understated how important the Green Bay win was. Aaron Jones needs to just – you know, one last thing, too. I thought mm-hmm. Green Bay ran the ball they, the way they needed to run the ball in this game, uh, schematically, and obviously just really accepting that Aaron Jones is your far and away your best running back and maybe your far and away most reliable offensive player. It just it goes a long way. It's that simple sometimes. There we go, folks. That's a wrap.
That is another what matters most from the NFL week 10, brother. We're in double digits now. That's that's crazy. I didn't even realize that we're I mean, we're really chugging along. It is almost Thanksgiving. It is almost Thanksgiving. Yeah, we it's you know, Thanksgiving's gonna be here before we know it. And we're going to be talking about playoff picture. We're going to be talking about draft. Can't wait to do that. I know we're going to do that later in the week as well on either the Wednesday or the Thursday episode. Shoot, maybe both. We're going to have something involving um, the yep. updated draft order, maybe a little bit of updated rankings, that kind of stuff. We are, we are, we are getting right there for draft season, and we are going to be one of the first podcasts that really dive into it. We can promise. You we never stop that. That's true. It's true. Always a little hint of it. Always, you know, it's always there. It's always there, and then boom. Smack you in the face. All that great content that you guys are missing from draft season is going to be here before you know it. Maybe even this week. As always, we've been doing this. We've been loving listening to you guys' voicemails. Speakpipe.com backslash NFLSE. It's a really cool way for you guys to get involved in the show. It's an easy way for us to get you guys involved in the show as well. Leave us a voicemail. Whatever whatever team that you are a fan of, whether uh, you want to get some takes off because your team won, whether you want to say something therapeutic and get something off your chest, because your team lost, uh, if something's NFL draft related, if there's a player that you're wondering, if you, whatever, man, ask us whatever you want to ask us, NFL related or I guess non-NFL related, if we want to just open it up and we have a fun one in there every now and then, we could definitely do that. But speakpipe.com backslash NFLSC. It's a super easy way where if you go to that website, all you have to do from your phone, from your computer, you can just record your voice. So you don't have to type out a big thing. You can just record your own voice, say it in your the inflection that you want to, get your emotions out and uh, pose whatever question or topic you want to. We're going to be, we're going to make sure that we get to those at least once a week, maybe even twice a week if we have the time. Maybe we'll be able to do that later. This you could just call and scream if you want. I don't know yeah. if we'll play it, but you can, you can absolutely call and scream and yeah. somebody will listen to it. Yeah. That's true. Actually, Stone will listen to Stone. It. Stone will absolutely listen to you screaming if it's therapeutic for you. Uh, and honestly, I, I might just randomly play it on the show if it's therapeutic for us. We'll see. Because <laughs> I get it. Hey, you know, people say sometimes you need a good cry. Sometimes you need a good scream. You know, sometimes Raiders you gotta... fans, you can right. scream. Houston Texans fans, you, you can scream. Scream to speak pipe if you want. Yes, that's why we built this for you. If We're you have an actual you. question, that works too. Uh, Connor, anything else before we get out of here, man? Um, no, I mean, God, some of the day was, I thought it was, I'm not just saying this. I thought it was an awesome day for the NFL slate. It felt like every single timing had, had at least one thriller, uh, a big day for a lot of the youngsters in the NFL, Mm -hmm. which is always, you know, a bonus for this show and this brand specifically. So I, I really, really enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to, Using as people are listening to this right now, your today uh, to dive into our Stockwatch show because it looked like a lot of prospects had really, really big Saturdays this week as well. We're clearing up the picture, man. We're clearing up the picture. Whether it's yeah, the Eagles get Will picture. Anderson. Yeah. Jeez. The I mean, enga- the engagement on the tweets though are going to be mint if that happens. If they're even in the realm of Jalen Carter or Will Anderson. Just gonna be, I'm just gonna be fired. It's looking very likely. It's looking right very now. likely. It is. No, no, there's no doubt about it. The picture's getting clearer. Like I said, whether it's the playoffs, whether it's the draft, whatever it is, we're here to figure it out with all you guys. We're here to talk about all that beautiful speculation, what could be everything when it comes to not just this season, but the seasons beyond. Uh, our next podcast is on Wednesday. Uh, as of right now, we're thinking that it's still going to be a stock watch update kind of a show. We're going to give you some players that we've been watching that are uh, stock up, stock down when it comes to the big board. But 
man, as we're getting close to Thanksgiving, we're getting close to December, Connor. I really want to make sure that we're mixing in updating the people on the draft order yeah. every single week because that's such a fun part of this part of the year is that the draft order changes every week and you and I can go, okay, if it went like this, like if the if these teams were at the top, how would things change for the teams, you know, in the back half of the top 10, back half of the top 20, whatever it was. So I want to make sure that we get to that plenty this uh, um, this time of year because that's going to be a lot of fun. And then, of course, Thursday show. A little bit of a wild card show, leaving it up to the imagination, always seeing what we really want to talk about once we get to Thursdays. But uh, next time you hear our voices, it'll be on Wednesday. Appreciate you guys listening and watching. I'm Trevor Sikama. That is Connor Rogers. Thank you guys so much for listening to the NFL Stock Exchange podcast. We'll see you next time.